You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A warning tonight about an unthinkable tragedy involving a 13-year-old girl. The teenager was enjoying a backyard fire pit when it's believed an ember flew into the air and into her hair. Erin MacArthur is live in our newsroom with more on this. Erin, the teen died of her injuries. You spoke to her father today about what happened. Yeah, Chris, uh, they don't know. That's the thing. No other way to describe this as, than as a tragic accident. Grace Peerless was in her backyard last Thursday night by herself in Terrace when her mom and brother heard her screaming. They rushed outside and found Grace on fire. No one knows what happened, but her dad, Dennis, figures an ember must have landed on her clothing and then quickly spread across her body. This is a picture of Grace. And then here's what the fire pit looks like in their backyard. It's an old washing machine tub welded to a post well off the ground. And Dennis says there's no way she could have fallen into it. Mom and her brother were on scene immediately and extinguished the fire, but not before Grace suffered serious burns. Doctors estimate 25 to 30 percent of her body was covered in second to third degree burns. But she was stable and conscious. Medical staff in both Terrace and then in Vancouver at Children's Hospital were confident she would make a full recovery. 48 hours later, she was in cardiac arrest and died that night. You know, she can talk a lot, right? But she, I just told her, I love you. And she says, I, I love you, Daddy. And she says, you know what? She asked the nurse to wipe her eye. And and then she says, you know, we'll get. I said, you, oh, we'll we'll get through this. We're gonna get helping you get better, Grace. And she goes, I know, Daddy. And she goes, I love you. You know, and nothing's bringing her back. And it's um, you know, she's a sweet, beautiful kid. Peerless family has incurred quite a few expenses during this past week. Travel back and forth from Terrace, plus funeral expenses. Friends suggested the family start a GoFundMe page. And details are there on your screen. Erin Grace was in grade 7, and obviously a lot of people at her school and in, in the community care about her. How are the people in Terrace handling this tonight? Yeah, Grace was described as... Um, a floater. She was well-liked at school and she floated between groups and was easy to get along with, a bright spark. Uh, counselors have been brought into Skeena Middle School to help everyone through this difficult time. There will be a funeral at the REM, REM Lee Theatre, rather, June 5th. All right. Thanks very much, Aaron. The ex-neighbor of a former B.C. resident and her American husband was convicted in their killings today. Monique Patnode and Patrick Shun, who lived just south of the border near Osa, Washington, were murdered in 2016. Today, a jury convicted their former neighbor, John Reed, of one count of first-degree murder for the death of Shun and one count of second-degree murder for the death of Patnode. According to prosecutors, Reed had an ongoing feud with the couple. Sentencing is scheduled for July 6. Well, at first, British Columbians appeared to be grinning and bearing it, but now with high gas prices sticking around, day-to-day -day behavior appears to be changing. According to a new poll, we're driving less and cutting back in other areas to avoid going empty. Jeff Hastings has more on the findings and how drivers are coping. Jeff. And Sophie, for a long time now, we haven't accepted the gas prices just keep going up and up and up, but we've become used to it. What seems to be different this time is that we're changing how we live our lives in response. British Columbians are being squeezed dry. Up, up, up. Everything goes up except my income. <laughs> 
It's to the point where high gas prices are expected. New records set regularly, and so far we've mostly shrugged and pumped our savings away. But there are signs we've seen a tipping point. It's a little bit different this time because we always like to gripe about gas prices, but this time we're actually seeing an impact. Insights West is out with a new survey. It finds pump prices seem to be pushing British Columbians out of their cars, with almost half, 47%, saying they've reduced the amount they use their vehicles or use them differently. You drive differently? Yeah, I watch where I'm going, watch my speed. People are changing their plans. About a fifth say they've already decided to do something different this summer. Having a family and having such high prices, it just takes away from doing family stuff. And a third have shifted their food and entertainment spending thanks to high fuel prices. People are actually saying we're changing something. We're either spending less on other areas or we're making actual concrete changes because it's not just a minimal increase. We're talking about, in some cases, you know, hundreds of dollars a month difference for consumers and it's hurting. A quarter of us are putting less gas in the tank when we fill up. This is a provincial survey. Even in the interior, high prices are hitting hard. BC restaurants aren't reporting much of a decline in business, at least not yet. And fuel costs haven't driven up menu prices. And if this continues on for the balance of summer, though, you will see some price increases invariably because you know, there's, two, there's two thoughts here. But price of gas is going to go up or the price of gas is going to go down. So people are just sort of waiting before they make any moves on this right now. So in some ways, we're becoming a province of pessimists or perhaps realists. Almost half of the people surveyed think gas will be more expensive six months from now. Some of the people surveyed even think we'll break a buck eighty-five this summer. Back to you. Well, hopefully not, Jeff. Thank you. A small but stubborn fire burned part of a 100-year-old trestle bridge near Hope. It apparently started just after three people ventured across it over the weekend. John Waugh has more on what witnesses blame for causing the fire and why the loss of history is just part of the frustration. Well, as you can see behind me, we're at the site of the very popular Latner Creek Trestle Bridge, where B.C. wildfire crews were busy trying to contain a blaze since Sunday. The trail is currently cut off to the public. That being said, the Coastal Fire Centre says the fire is considered to be held and crews have been dispatched to other areas. Witness Mallory Mogg posted on social media that she came across three hikers on Sunday, one who allegedly tossed a cigarette in the area. While they tried to douse the bridge fire with water, it grew out of control and the hikers fled when Mogg says BC Wildfire was contacted. This trestle bridge is part of the old Kettle Valley Railway, which is more than 100 years old. Since the rail lines have been taken down, it's become a popular path for nature and history lovers. Local hikers say the fact that this was likely human-caused is senseless. It's heartbreaking, really. Um, What we want to do is we want to see people getting outside, um, really learning to respect and admire the environment, the natural environment, and become advocates for the remaining wild spaces we have left. Uh, That's not always the case where either people just aren't yet educated or maybe unfortunately they just don't care. This is just the worst case scenario of of what can go wrong. I think people who smoke uh, are very habituated in, in in their habit. Um, And they do it probably without meaning to do so. But we are urging anybody who does smoke to be very careful. Be aware of this fact. Uh, Carry along a bottle of uh, water, half filled with water, and just put your cigarettes out into there. Now, despite the fact that you don't see any smoke or signs of fire, we have to reiterate the fact that this trestle bridge was badly damaged. Many of the boards across of it were burned, some falling through to the bottom. So the message to hikers is to stay away. Back to you. 
All right, thanks very much, John. Big concern in fire season. May is on track to be the driest ever in Metro Vancouver. And meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with some of those details. Christy. That's right, Chris. So with just three days of measurable rain in Metro Vancouver, and even with that, it wasn't much, every day has been pretty much like this. Let's have a look at the numbers. May 2018 has reported only 1.6 millimeters of rain. And I know we have one more day in May, but it looks like we will keep this record. The uh, the current record is 2015, so that will shift to be second at 4.5 millimeters, and the one in behind that would be 1946. So incredibly dry, as you can tell, Chris. Just to give you perspective, we would typically see through the month of May 65 millimeters of rain. Wow, that's an eye-opener. All right, thanks, Christy. We'll check in with you a little bit later. Well, just hours after it began, CP Rail has reached a deal with train operators to end their strike. A four-year tentative agreement has been reached. The surprise announcement came just 12 hours after 3,000 Teamster conductors and engineers walked off the job. The parties also reached a five-year deal for the Kootenay Valley Railway. The union says full operations at both railways will resume Thursday morning across Canada. The tentative agreements must still be ratified by Teamsters members over the coming months. The province releasing new details today about this fall's referendum on electoral reform. The mail-in ballot will contain two questions outlining four options for voting systems. Ted Chernecki explains what's at stake. Both the NDP and the Greens campaigned on a promise of electoral reform, and today they delivered in the form of a referendum this fall. There'll be two questions. One, do we vote to stay the course? For the second question, voters will be able to rank their preference of three proportional voting systems. The problem, say critics of first-past-the-post systems like ours, is that they inevitably evolve into a two-party system, and that means the voices of many voters who support neither of those two parties are never heard. Currently, under first-past-the-post, 39% of popular vote can deliver 100% of power to one party. That party can then proceed to uh, act on a mandate for four years without input from any other party. But supporters of BC's current system say look no further than Israel and Italy as examples of proportional representation that simply does not work. Concern on proportional representation is that we have currently a system that's simple, it's successful and it's stable. Under proportional representation, as we see in Europe repeatedly, there are perpetual minorities, there's instability, which causes problems both politically and economically. The opponents of PR like to bring up Israel and Italy, and I think that both of those countries have very unique political culture and history that are very different from what we have here. Uh, Germany has the strongest economy in Europe. Uh, there's a lot of uh, countries in northern, in northern Europe who are out exceeding North American performance on a number of indicators. A better way to vote or a minority government trying to stack the deck in its favor for future elections. You can choose the NDP's alphabet soup, their uh, stacked deck and their rigged game that they're setting up to please the Green Party, or you can choose what we've had for 150 years that has worked really well in a solid parliamentary democracy. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Well, we'll bring in Keith Baldry for more on this. Now, Keith, this was the subject of a fiery exchange in the legislature today. 
Yeah, I usually don't associate high emotions with such dry topics as electoral reform, but uh, that certainly uh, was the case here uh, to the legislature during question period. Uh, John Horgan, for the first time since the last election, actually allowed the Liberals to get a little under his skin. The Liberals are claiming that this is all rigged, that there's no details, and that the NDP is breaking their election promise to make this a simple yes or no uh, question on the ballot. So Mike Lee and John Horgan from this afternoon. This is not a fair vote. Mr. Speaker, the details of this referendum need to be upfront. They need to be determined now, before the vote takes place. And there will be a question put to the people this fall, and it will ask them, do they want to keep the system they have that has for years and years and years provided absolute power to the people who get a minority of the votes, or do they want to vote for something different? Do they want to vote to put people back in the center of their politics by allowing an opportunity to select from three options, and when that option is selected, when that option if you're not getting the information, are you so obtuse that you don't understand? You can Google this stuff. You can Google this stuff. So just a little taste of action here uh, this afternoon. Uh, the Liberals will probably take another kick at the can tomorrow, uh, but it's the last day of the legislature session until the fall. So tomorrow is it for discussing uh, what could be a landmark uh, referendum, changing the voting system. Just one more day to uh, discuss it or yell at each other, as it were, mm. in the legislature behind me. Chris? Good drama before they call her quits for the summer. All right. Thanks, Keith. Okay. Former Premier Christy Clark has landed a new gig at a B.C. law firm. A year after a deal between the NDP and the B.C. Greens sealed her political fate, Clark has joined Bennett Jones as a senior advisor in the company's Vancouver office. In a statement, Clark says the job is an excellent fit as the law firm is helping clients in infrastructure, technology and innovation, Asia trade and natural resources areas she says she's passionate about and has worked closely on as premier. Right now, though, it is shaping up to be a very busy weekend in downtown Vancouver. Three cruise ships arrived today alone. And another 13 will dock between now and Monday. Grace Key is live at the terminal at Canada Place with more on how the Taxi Association is preparing for this cruise ship crush. Grace? Yeah, just behind me here, we've got the uh, cruise ship terminal there. That's one of the spots, of course, where the passengers uh, disembark, and it's also where the taxis will go in to pick up those passengers. So that area has certainly seen a big, dramatic changeover compared to the last uh, few years here. So there is a very busy season ahead of us with the cruise ship uh, season. As you mentioned, we were going to have quite a few of these cruise ships coming in this weekend. But as for the spots below, now before you'd see about seven or eight cabs waiting for passengers in that staging area below. Now this season, it's just about doubled to about 13 taxis ready to pick up the passengers. Now on top of that, they've got about 20 that are now stationed off to the side, ready to move up ahead in line. So the taxi industry is saying that this has greatly streamlined the situation and allowing that flow of taxis to move in much smoother. We had four ships, four ships, big ships, cleared within less than two hours. It was just amazing in comparison to past years, which we have seen such huge lineups waiting to, you know, to get taxis down to them. It's not that we've run out of taxis. We just couldn't get down. 
So they did clear uh, about four ships in a couple of hours, so they said that's really good time for them. Now, they also are going to be making more improvements to that whole staging area down below, so they'll help with the flow of things as well. Back to you. All right. Hopefully it works. Thank you, Grace. And check out this floating monstrosity that pulled into port in Seattle this morning. At 330 meters, the Norwegian Bliss is almost twice as long as the Space Needle is high. It features a two-level racetrack for go-karts, laser tag, a water park with two multi-story water slides, as well as multiple restaurants, bars, and lounges. The Norwegian Bliss will be in Vancouver this September. It'll arrive during low tide to make sure it actually gets under the Lionsgate Bridge. And, of course, it has to wait for low tide to leave mm -hmm. again 24 hours later. The Bank of Canada announcing today it's holding steady on its key interest rate, but hinting that a hike could come soon. And that's unsettling news for the average Canadian on the hook for thousands of dollars in debt. Consumer Matters reporter Andrew joins us with more on how to lighten that debt load. And mm -hmm. There is an option you may want to consider. Thanks, you too. According to the Bank of Canada, the amount of debt held by Canadian households has been rising for about 30 years now. But for those struggling with their finances, getting a debt consolidation loan may help save you money in the long run. From credit cards to car loans, many Canadians struggle with debt. An Ipsos Global News poll conducted in December of 2017 found the average Canadian owed over $8,500 in non-mortgage consumer debt. So how do you take control of some of that debt? A consolidation loan may be an option. It's a loan that the person receives to consolidate other debts credit cards, a car loan. So as opposed to having multiple payments, you have one loan with one payment each month. Typically, by taking a consolidation loan, a person would be looking at a much lower interest rate, which could save you money down the road. For example, an individual who owes $15,000 on their credit card at a 20% interest rate and a $10,000 car loan with a 7% interest rate could qualify for a loan with a bank at 8.5%. Repaid over the same time period, roughly five and a half years, could save that person between five and $6,000 in interest charges. When you're looking at consolidation of debt, understand the terms that are available for you, the interest rates you may qualify for. Um, it's helpful to understand what your credit score is, information on your credit report, and also to have a really good understanding of how much money is coming into your household, what your monthly expenses are, and how much of a payment you can afford. And establish a good relationship with your financial institution by opening up an account and saving some money. Otherwise, you may not qualify for a loan and could be forced to go to a high-rate lender like a finance company that may have higher interest rates. As for online lenders, the Credit Counseling Society says, do your research. There's a general understanding that, yes, there is a need to regulate this industry, but it's not consistent yet. And so consumers need to be really aware of the fact of all the rates and terms and conditions before signing up. So again, before considering whether or not you are a good candidate for a consolidation loan, experts suggest eliminating any unnecessary expenses out of your budget first and ensure your credit rating is in good standing. And another tip, experts also say when looking at consolidating debt, don't go to multiple banks, credit unions, or online lenders because it will show a lot of inquiries on your credit report. That can have an impact on your credit score itself. It's best to start with your own financial institution first. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All, All right. right. Good advice, Sam. Thank you. Thanks, Sam.
Well, what a perfect day for the CKNW Kids Fund Picnic at Playland. 3,500 children with special needs have the Midway all to themselves, fully supported by their teachers, educational assistants, and caregivers from schools all across the Lower Mainland. For many, it's the one day a year they can enjoy Playland in a safe way with extra help getting on and off the rides and attractions. Feeling safe enough to like have fun on the rides and just, just the food and the friendship and seeing people that you have, kids you've taught from years and years ago, seeing them again in high school and them having fun here. It's like it's a big family feeling actually. Thanks to Marianne and Pam and the rest of the folks from all the schools around making it a great day. And you were there too. I was. I'm on the board of the CKNW Kids Fund and it's one of my favorite days mm-hmm. of the year. So and you had good weather for it. Yeah, it was perfect. An apocalyptic scene on Hawaii's Big Island earlier today. Lava crossing a key highway where the Kilauea volcano has been erupting for almost a month. The torrent of molten rock destroying utility poles in its path. The road connects the local commercial center with the community that was first evacuated. More than 80 houses have been devoured and about 2,000 people forced from their homes. Well, in a real-life shocker, a Russian journalist who was widely reported to have been assassinated turned up alive today at a news conference. He and police explained why they had no choice but to stage his murder. Gasps of disbelief and applause as Russian journalist Arkady Babchenko, who Ukrainian police said just yesterday was murdered, shot three times in his apartment, dying in an ambulance even putting out a sketch of a suspect. Today was back from the dead, walking into a press conference with police, announcing it was all staged. I apologize to my wife for all the hell she had to go through, Babchenko said. News of his murder yesterday sparked an outcry. Supporters laying flowers at memorials and blaming Russia for ordering the hit. Babchenko is a critic of Vladimir Putin. While Russia denied involvement, many of Putin's critics have been shot or poisoned over the years, including opposition leader Boris Nemtsov, right next to the Kremlin. Nemtsov was shot in the back at least five times, right in front of his girlfriend. But this time, Ukraine's security forces said the faked killing was a sting operation, which they said led to the arrest of a man allegedly paid $40,000 by Moscow to organize Babchenko's murder. There was no other way, Babchenko said. But tonight, many are asking, will the hoax create doubts about other reporters actually murdered for doing their jobs? Richard Engel, NBC News. A New York grand jury indicted Harvey Weinstein today on rape charges. Weinstein faces charges from two women in New York in the first criminal case brought against him amid dozens of accusations of sexual misconduct. One accuser says Weinstein forced her to perform oral sex on him in 2004 after luring her to his Tribeca office for a meeting. The other woman alleges Weinstein raped her at a Manhattan hotel back in 2013. Weinstein has denied all allegations of non-consensual sex. After vowing to quit the platform, Roseanne went on Twitter on a Twitter tear today, lashing out at former co-stars and blaming Ambien for the racist tweet that got her fired. But the company that makes the sleeping pill had what many feel is the perfect response. 
What's up, deplorable? Roseanne Barr tried to explain herself, but only fueled the fire over her racist tweet about Valerie Jarrett, an advisor to President Obama. Well, the important thing is that you voted. Barr writing, it was two in the morning and I was ambient tweeting. That brought this sharp retort from the sleeping pills maker. Racism is not a known side effect of any Sanofi medication. This is the racial Me Too moment, isn't it? Michael Eric Dyson is a prominent author on race in America. This is a particular moment where your race baiting and your bigotry and your violent racism have to be taken into account and things are changed. Her show canceled, its reruns pulled, Barr defended herself. I'm not a racist. I never was and I never will be. She apologized to the crew and cast who lost their jobs, offering compassion for the disappointment expressed by her TV daughter, Sarah Gilbert. Then teeing off on her TV son, Michael Fishman, who criticized Barr as well. You throw me under the bus, nice. But this was self-inflicted when Barr compared Jarrett to an ape. Bob Iger, who's the CEO of Disney, called me uh, before the announcement. He apologized. That got President Trump's attention. He tweeted, Iger never called him to apologize for the horrible statements made and said about me on ABC. Maybe I just didn't get the call. ABC late night host Jimmy Kimmel responded, maybe you were out playing golf. Trump's press secretary put a different spin on it. This is a double standard that the president is speaking about. No one is defending her comments. They're inappropriate. Thank you for making America great again. Tonight, Barr still has free speech. Just not a show. Ann Thompson, NBC News, New York. All right, ready to feel like a bit of an underachiever? A teenager in Montreal is working alongside McGill researchers in the pursuit of a cure for Alzheimer's. And that is just part of the reason the 17-year-old recently won a $25,000 scholarship. Global's Dan Spector spent some time with this wonder teen. Maya Makutras and Cora has always been a very curious person. Probably some teachers say it's a bit too many questions. It's a quality she channels into everything she does, and something that has helped her demystify that lazy teenager stereotype. Science fairs, math contests, model UN conferences, um, writing contests, things like that. At 15, the Collège Brebeuf student took an interest in Alzheimer's. She read about the disease in a news article and decided to dig a little deeper. So every time I would not understand something, I would try to look up a study about that factor in Alzheimer's disease. So that led me to reading a lot of different studies at the same time. And... Through reading all of them, I kind of started putting together some ideas. She managed to get the attention of Dr. Claudio Coelho, a researcher at McGill who invited her to his lab. No connections, no hookups, just a 15-year-old reaching out on her own. I came up with this proposal. I emailed uh, a researcher at McGill University. Now she works alongside Coelho and a doctoral student. I've already presented uh, some preliminary results at different science fairs. It was at one of those science fairs that she got to explain her work to Justin Trudeau, who also attended Collège Brébeuf. In the middle of it all, she applied for the $25,000 Steam Horizon Award with this video. She told them about her research and another way she spends her free time. Volunteering with uh, other kids. Uh, also with intellectually handicapped teenagers. She was one of the five winners. Brebeuf is also a Cégep, so she'll put some of the money toward her studies there. After that... Yeah, I'm not exactly sure exactly what I want to do in university. I definitely would be interested to pursue a path towards science or math. I think she can do anything. 
any, any field she yes. likes, she Thank will be you. welcome to do it. Dan Spector, Global News, Cote d'Ange. When Champ the Kitten was having trouble getting around, his foster parents came up with an ingenious solution. That's coming up right after Christie's forecast. And right before we get to Christie, check out this dust devil caught on camera. Yesterday, it was twisting its way through Scottsdale, Arizona. Dust devils are usually harmless, but they can on rare occasions grow big enough to threaten people and property. In this case, though, no reports of any injuries. Not exactly as dry as the Arizona desert, but getting close. We uh, learned that earlier from Christy, who's down near False Creek in a yeah, very dry May wrapping up here, Christy. Incredibly dry and potentially record warmth as well this May. So we'll keep track of that and let you know tomorrow for sure. You can see behind me here the patio is just packed. Uh, it was bike to work week uh, this week and great weather for it. And you, there's been tons of people biking along the seawall here. Now, um, the dominant pattern throughout the month of May really has been a jet stream driving way up and over. That's why we've been so dry and warm. The North Coast, on the other hand, hasn't been. Now that jet stream has changed. Now it's dropped way down. And that has brought in that cooler air mass. You'll notice that I was wearing a bit of a scarf. In the shade, it is certainly a little cooler. Temperatures are near seasonal. And we're seeing unsettled conditions across the province. And we've had lots of pictures of halos sent in. Because of that cooler air mass, especially at higher elevations, and we've seen a bit of cirrus cloud. The sun is actually refracting off the ice crystals in the air. S tons of photos. So thank you to Brett for that one. Uh, keep your eye on the sky again through the evening hours. You'll continue to see those halos, I'm sure. This evening, still a chance of showers across many regions in the province. Things settle down overnight, mainly dry and through the morning, except for BC Peace River. But then they pick up again tomorrow afternoon. Metro Vancouver, with this type of pattern, we continue to be mostly dry. We just have a slight chance of showers, the best chance of seeing those showers really for our areas along the mountains, except for Friday, everyone. Most areas can expect cloud, cooler conditions and showers on Friday. There's your forecast across the north, so unsettled conditions, especially in the afternoon, a chance of showers with a risk of thunderstorms through many areas, and that's the same case across southern BC. So highs near seasonal, about 20 degrees for those of you in the southern interior. For our region, 18, that's near seasonal mostly dry except for Vancouver Island's chance of showers. Metro Vancouver that chance of showers will be on Friday, drier Saturday, back to showers on Sunday. It's sort of on and off over the next few days. Now BCAA Play Here Contest is back to give away three play space revitalizations worth up to $100,000 each. And here's a look at two more of the top 10 finalists. Now Cash Creek has been dramatically impacted by recent fire and flood emergencies a new play space at the elementary school would bring life to the neighborhood and a sense of hope to the community. And in Mackenzie, the popular and only community center has nothing outside for kids and families to enjoy. A new playground would give kids a place to play in all seasons. And Chris, it is, and Soph, it is a beautiful evening out here as you can see. We will continue with some sunshine over the next little while, but certainly a cooler and more unsettled pattern with showers in the forecast on Friday. Uh, it'll feel like a relief. A nice cool <laughs> off by then. Thanks a lot, Christy. Maybe. Clearly not keeping people from the patio, that's mm -mm. for sure. Well, an adorable New Brunswick kitten is getting a creative lift from his human friends. <laughs> and uh, we just fell in love with them and had to give him a chance. 
Oh, Champ is his name. He was rescued as a stray earlier this month. The kitten born with back legs that never completely formed, forcing him, as you can see, to scoot around on his front limbs. Well, his foster parents didn't have the heart to put him down, given he was so determined to live, so they built him a wheelchair out of Lego. And now he scoots around like a champ. His name, so much so that he's outgrown his first Lego lift and fundraising is underway to buy him a new adjustable one. They just fell in love with him and accepted him just the way he is. Humans could learn a lot from animals. Oh. See, those other cats were checking it out. Well, the, it's the red vest. I think the oh, red yeah. vest he was wearing too. Can we talk about that? <laughs> I've never quite, I've never statement. quite figured out. I know there are pet people out here there who love to do it. Putting like clothes, clothes on animals. They've got fur. <laughs> they were born with clothes. They're fine. Apparently, in that case, they made a the sweater was made out of a sock so that the oh, thing I wouldn't. See. Oh, so cut it was into part of the. Shape. I get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is there when, uh, what? Is there a hockey game going on tonight? I don't know. I have no I don't, idea. I don't know. Don't even know really. Still hockey season? Uh, it's something like that. Very warm out. I don't think. I think the ice would melt. There. Wait. Okay. The floor is littered with pens <laughs> after Squire's pen ah. tricks in the commercial break. Hey, it turns out there is a hockey game on. Oh, yes. We checked and then right. there was one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fill us in. So with that, we'll fill you in. I actually think that somewhere out there, there is a parallel universe. And in that parallel universe, the Golden Knights didn't make the playoffs. And the Winnipeg Jets are playing for the Stanley Cup. But in our universe, which is clearly more bizarre and unpredictable... Vegas is now three wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. Remember, last summer when they first assembled this team, their owners said if all goes well, they'd only need three years to make the playoffs and six years to be a Stanley Cup contender. Apparently he did not know that he had a royal flush dealt to him. Even the Statue of Liberty is wearing a rather large, I think it's a quadruple XL Vegas Knights jersey. And there, getting ready, including this little move with Ryan Reeves. Okay, here we go. That was Marc-Andre Fleury, of course. That's a former Canuck, Lucas Spies. I'm putting it up to James Neal, who scores. Boy, those Knights score a lot of first goals. one nothing, Vegas. But one thing about Marc-Andre Fleury, he's a great goalie, but he's aggressive. A little too aggressive here because they completely forget about Lars Eller. Now, Lars Eller could have tied the game the other night, but he missed he whiffed in a wide open net. He didn't there. That made it 1-1. Power play now, second period. The great eight. He gets one. They've added another. Washington leading 3-1 in game three and four in this series. We'll be back in D.C. Okay, the number of sequels of the Warriors-Cavaliers NBA final matchup is now reaching Pirates of the Caribbean level. And many think the fourth installment will be the worst of the bunch, mainly because the Cavaliers are basically LeBron and a bunch of guys who would normally be on a non-playoff team against one of the best teams ever assembled. It actually reads like the ultimate underdog movie script, but nobody thinks the underdogs are going to win in the end of this movie. Even in a year when an expansion team reaches the Stanley Cup final, belief in LeBron's magic is at an all-time low, it appears. In the first three installments, we saw the Warriors win in six games in 2015 after being down two games to one. The next year, the Cavaliers pulled off the amazing comeback, won three in a row, including Game 7 on the road. And then, of course, there was last year, a dominant five-game win by Golden State against the Cavaliers team that was more talented on paper than this one is. Even LeBron has to give Major League props to the Warriors. Listen, Golden State, 
It's one of the best teams I've ever played. It's one of the best teams that's ever been assembled. Um, you know, um, and, then, and then they added Kevin Durant. So what then, what does that do to him? It even makes him even more dangerous. It also makes them 12-point favorites to win game one, which is the biggest NBA Finals point spread since 2001. The only way Cleveland wins this series is if LeBron is extra magical and all his teammates play over their heads night after night. And even that might not be enough to beat Steph Curry and his pals. I'm going to play aggressively, confidently, you know, with that right energy and, and, and motivation uh, to help my team win. And usually when I'm in that mindset, you know, good things happen. And for those who are getting a bit fatigued with the Cleveland-Golden State reboots, LeBron James has this to say. Teams have had their opportunities to beat the Cavs over the last four years, and teams have had opportunities to beat the Warriors over the last four years. And if you want to see somebody else in the postseason, then, then you got to beat them. Thrilling game. All right. Upgrade Blue Jays couldn't beat the Red Sox in Boston, swept in this series. Jackie Bradley Jr., who had the great uh, catch the other day, brings in Blake Swihart here, one nothing in the third. Now, the Jays have not won two games in a row in May. They started 13-6 and six this year, but they have crumbled since then. Although Teoscar Hernandez hits a two-run homer here, and for a moment, it's tied, but then J.D. Martinez... Ball game. Granderson never even moved. Six four the final for Boston. You can see the Jays rather poorest, poorest record in May. Um, Novak Djokovic, of course, missed the last half of the 2017 season because of an elbow problem. He had surgery on it in February. He's at the French Open. This is round two against Yoami uh, Klar of Spain. He would win the first set and the second set. We now take you to the third set as Djokovic tries to wrap things up here and move on to round number three on the red dirt of Paris. And, that's it. and he does just uh, There you go. Pretty good start to the comeback, I would say. Not too bad. Coming up on ET Canada, Roseanne makes excuses for a racist tweet that canceled her own show. Plus, the Drake and Pusha T feud gets personal and dirty. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thanks, Sangita. All right, first the heartwarming part, an incredible wildlife rescue off B.C.'s west coast, but it began with a heartbreaking scene last Friday. Tour guides spotted a black bear cub clinging to its dead mother on a cliff near Tofino. Kylie Stanton explains how a whale-watching team managed to save the baby bear and give it a chance to survive. Scared, hungry, and thirsty. Is better, little buddy? But finally safe. If we wouldn't have brought it in when we did, it probably wouldn't, didn't have another day in it. The 8- to 12-week-old male cub was first spotted by a tour boat last Friday. It was perched along the shoreline of Ross Pass, just northwest of Tofino. When the guide came in and reported the situation, John Ford and his wife Jennifer decided to go and take a look. It was heartbreaking. We could see that the cub was actually sleeping on top of the deceased mother. And it turns out he he was actually trying to nurse from her. Conservation was called, but given the location, they wouldn't be able to attend until the following day. Knowing rescuing the cub was its only chance of survival, Ford anchored and began to hike in. It kind of looked up at me and, and I went, oh, and I tried to reach down to grab it and it got spooked and 
and ran further into the bush and then went 60 feet up a tree. And so they waited. We are just kind of fingers crossed and the, the little guy would make it through the night and um, we'd come back early the next morning. With high hopes, they decide to take a different approach, slowly coming up to the cub from the side, finally managing to capture it in a jacket. The poor little guy at that point, you know, he put up a pretty good ruckus and was trying to nibble at me and bite at me as a wild animal would. But um, within a couple of minutes, he settled down and I was able to hike back down to the boat with him. Wrapped in a towel, you can see the fear fade and thirst take over. The cub was transported from Tofino to Port Alberni, where they met with conservation officers. It's been here at the North Island Wildlife Recovery Centre ever since. He's actually improving day by day right now. He's underweight, uh, so we are working with him just to gradually increase his appetite, um, starting him off just with uh, fluids and liquid food, and then we'll gradually work into the solid foods. The couple plans to adopt the cub, paying for the expenses until he's strong enough to be released back into the wild back where he belongs. Well, that's the ultimate goal, you know, and yeah, I feel fantastic that we were able to help this little guy out. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Sweet little bear. As you pointed out, I mean, there'll be a day you gotta let him go because he's getting a little... Whenever the kid grows up. Yeah, (laughs) these things, when they grow up, it's like, okay, it's been fun, bye. Let's hope it works out. Uh, Check in one final time with Christy down on the uh, shores of Falls Creek there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely beautiful evening. Lots of people out here enjoying it. Why wouldn't you? Now, tomorrow we do have a slim chance of showers, but I think for the most part, everyone, you can get outside similar to today. And yes, keep your eye out for those halos because we'll see a few more, I think, again tomorrow. We are tapped out, but it's been a barrel of fun. Which is a nod nod to the red umbrellas in the background there. Thanks for watching and enjoy the patio at the Tap and Barrel. Well done. Fun for the whole family. Good night.